So in September, we have been speaking about Christian community. And uh, so I just wanted to go over what we've developed uh, so far in the first three weeks. And this is the last Sunday where we're going to be uh, kind of wrapping up on this theme. Um, the first week, we talked a little bit about how community happens everywhere. And something that we did was we wrote down on little slips of paper places where we experience community in our lives. And that's what, these, that's what this chain is that's up here um, that we decided to put with the cross, kind of devoting those places to Christ. And so people wrote down all kinds of things, like uh, the one that keeps staying in my mind is people wrote down football. Um, and uh, so, we, I don't know, there was about five or six people who wrote football. I don't know if that's playing football or going and watching football. Um, but people wrote down all kinds of things like family or friends or places that they volunteer or coworkers, um, all kinds of stuff. Some people wrote names of, of particular people in their lives where they, when they're with them, they really have a sense of, of togetherness and being community. Um, then what we talked about that day was really uh, that Christian community has something unique in that we claim that God lives among us, that we, we used a couple of metaphors to talk about that from the Bible. One is that we are a temple or we are a building and that Jesus is the cornerstone of that building and that God lives inside. So that's us together. We are that. Um, and I wanted to just uh, quote to you from uh, Living Faith. Living Faith is a document um, that uh, is one of our standards of the Presbyterian Church in Canada, so a statement of our belief. And this is what the first sentence that it says about, in the section about the church. It says, The church is Christ together with his people, called both to worship and to serve him in all of life. We are the body of Christ. That's basically what it is. Church is Christ together with his people. We're unique in that we're a community that claims that Jesus is here, and that God is here among us. The next week, we talked really about how we are a missional community, um, and that, that really means that God has a mission, or God is on a mission, and that the church is the primary means by which God is conducting that mission. And God's mission, if you want to summarize it, is really, his mission is to love the world. He's loving the world. And so as Christ's body, uh, that's what we are supposed to be doing, doing that together. And we talked a little bit about, um, I, I didn't really use this uh, metaphor in the same way, but we kind of talked about body posture, <laughs> um, where Jesus has a particular posture toward the world, and so should we. We should be divine, uh, defined by his posture. And we looked at Philippians chapter 2 and saw that Jesus' uh, way of coming toward the world was one of incarnation, being with, and of service. Um, his way of being with the world was one of obedience even to the point of death, and then followed by trust in God and God exalting him. And that's the same pattern for the church, incarnation and service, obedience even when it means loss or death, um, and then followed by we're going to trust in God that God will do any exaltation. We're not the ones exalting ourselves. God is going to do that. Um, Last week, we talked about being a diverse community where we need one another and that the community itself is very important, that we need to support each other. Um, and, but we also talked about how uh, we are community creators as well, that each of us has the opportunity to create Christian community, 
So I talked a bit about how we can uh, participate in different programs that the church might have, and you can look in your bulletin today and see there's a whole bunch of things going on that you can participate in. And that's great, but we also don't have to wait for the right programs to happen. We can step outside of our comfort zones and create community. And I talked about four different ways that we can do that. There's all kinds of other ways as well, but we talked about four. One was reaching out in conversation to somebody. Um, reaching out with help, so you might see a need and go and help. One was reaching out for help, which lots of us are not great at doing, realizing I actually need help and there's this group of people here that I might be able to go to and can you help me out? Um, And the last one was reaching out with an invitation to a meal. Um, And uh, and I think that's in lots of ways we've lost that uh, in our culture. Um, But uh, it's a great way of creating community. Um, and most of us really like to eat, so that, uh, that works out quite well. If we're going to summarize all of this, we might simply just say it like this. Jesus is among us. Together we serve others. We support each other. There's Christian community. There's Christian community. So what more can we say about community? Well, probably an awful lot, actually. Today, we're going to focus on a particular role of Christian community that I think is rarely seen as part of what Christian community is about. But it's a big part of why we gather together. Um, In smaller groups, yes, but in particular, why we gather together for corporate worship. Now, the primary reason we gather for corporate worship is to honor God, to give him praise But there are other reasons as well. And one of them is found in our first scripture reading today from Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24 to 25. I just want to repeat those those short verses for you. And let us consider how to provoke one another to love and good deeds, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. Why do we meet together? Why do we meet together together? week in and week out, to encourage each other and to provoke each other. And remember that we're provoking each other to love and good deeds. So it's not just, you can't just leave it at provoke each other, (laughs) okay? (laughs) Provoke each other to love and good deeds. You see how there's two dynamics that are happening there? We We do more than support each other. That's there, the encouragement side. That's there. But we also meet together to provoke each other to love and good deeds for something else to happen. So it's not just that the church as a gathered body takes on the serving posture of Christ, that we do that together as a body. It's also that each of us need to regularly be pushed to take that same posture in the entirety of our lives. So we come together and gather together so that we can provoke one another to take that same serving posture when we're out there. Not just when we volunteer for the church or are involved in some kind of church thing, but in our whole life. When you look at that that paper chain, with all the different things that are on there, all the different uh, aspects of community or places that we experience being together with other people, That's where we need to live out being a member of the body of Christ. It's out in our lives that we need to live that out. Not just in this community, 
when we support each other and when we do something to help others when we do that together, like um, putting on the community fund day, which was great. That was the church together putting, doing something to care for others. Wonderful. Not just like collecting school supplies for a, a local school. That's great. We should do that, but that's the church together doing something to, to help others or care for others. Not just collecting canned fish and canned poultry for Winnipeg Harvest, which I recommend you do, and we do that together as the church, but we also need to be living our whole lives shaped by Christ. Not just these kind of church-like programs. Now, why does this have anything to do with community? Me telling you we actually have to do things individually. It doesn't sound very community-focused. Well, the community exists to support one another in doing those things. Right? The community exists to help us do that. We provoke each other and encourage each other to, in fact, live our regular, ordinary lives in a way that is shaped by Jesus Christ. We need each other. And it's not just for support in the sense of when I'm in a crisis and someone in the church helps me. That's important. But we need each other for more than that. We need each other to support the ministry that we do in our lives. And sometimes we get scared of that word ministry as though I'm not, I'm not doing ministry, or only the minister does the ministry, and I don't do ministry as a, as a regular person, right? Some of us think that. Ministry just means service. It just means service. It's a way of serving another person. Now, lots of non-Christians help others, though, right? So if that's what we're really supposed to do, like if really we're coming as a community together and we are encouraging one another and provoking one another to, uh, to help other people, well, do we, re- do we really need the church to do that? Because there's lots of non-church people that seem to help other people. And that goes on all the time. We also see many Christians who will be calling themselves Christians, and they don't seem to really help very much at all. I think we have that belief or that perception, but I would like to ask or challenge that, is that really true on a broad or global scale? Yes, that happens, but is that really true on a broad scale? Because the overwhelming evidence suggests that Christians over the ages and across the globe have actually been on the forefront of serving others. So if, if other people are out there serving, they probably learnt it from Christians. I mean, that's maybe a big generalization, but if you look at history, you look at, at time and how things have developed, that may in fact be true. Many of our hospitals in Canada were started by Christians. Many of our schools in North America and around the world have been started by Christians. Look how many Christians have started or involved with feeding programs or helping the homeless and the poor. Go and drive down Main Street and you'll see government organizations and you'll see Christian organizations, right? And those Christian organizations are there every day of the week serving the needy in our city. And they're not looking for fanfare. Some of them get some good press, some of them get some bad press. None of them are looking for that. They're just looking to help the people who are in need. Christians have been at the forefront of helping people of serving people. And yes, there's non-Christians who do that, 
But most of the non-Christians who do that, I think, have just, they've, they've lived in a culture that, that was steeped in Christianity and is less so now. But go back 100 years, 50 years, this culture was steeped in the values of Christianity. And, and people have grown up in that. It's amazing what Christians have done to serve people. And I think we, we kind of forget that because we think, oh, we just have compassion built into our hearts. It's learned. It's learned. The overwhelming evidence suggests that Christians over the ages have been on the forefront of serving others. Um, I didn't realize this at all growing up as a Christian. At, at, uh, at 18 years old, I went to the General Assembly of the Presbyterian Church in Canada. It's a once-a-year meeting where ministers and elders are together and they make decisions about the church. What blew me away about my time there was that I got to see what our denomination does in serving other people. And I hadn't really heard much about that at my local congregation. But I got to learn about Presbyterian World Service and Development and all of the partners that they have around the world and all of the work that was being done to serve the most needy in our world through them. And, and that was just a small slice, because the Presbyterian Church in Canada is not a very big denomination. And I realized all the other denominations are doing this kind of stuff too, some in smaller ways and some in bigger, way bigger ways. The church, Christians, were doing all kinds of things that I didn't know about, and I was a Christian. I was just completely blown away by this, that we care that much to just keep giving and serving in Christ's name. But still, why do we need the church? Why do we need the church? And what about, what about those, those people who, who, in fact, they don't believe, and yet they still sacrifice and help? Now, I would put it to you that God is, in fact, working through those people. The Holy Spirit is, in fact, working through them. And wouldn't it be wonderful for that person to realize that they are working alongside a God of compassion who cares deeply for the very people that they are serving? Wouldn't that be wonderful? Wouldn't it also be wonderful to have that person be in a faith community so that they could have a faith community around, around her who, who saw her work and celebrated it, encouraged her, and spurred her on through the difficult times? Wouldn't that be great? See, that person, in fact, does need the church. And the church, in fact, does need that person. And it's not to give that person a desire to serve. They already have that somehow. But it's to help her see the deep connection between her passion and the passion of God. Imagine what she might do knowing that God is on her side. Imagine what we can do knowing God is on our side in serving other people. The thing is, in the end, we all falter. We can all burn out. We can all overextend. We can become complacent. We can lose heart. And we need the church for those times. We need each other for those times. Romans chapter 12, verse 2 says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds. Many people pull this verse out and make it about how we've got to adhere to a moral code. There are other verses about that in the Bible. I don't think this is one of them, in fact. I think this is much more about the world, how the world just has a very different way of thinking than God does. 
Don't be conformed to the, the world's way of thinking. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you can get on board with God's way of thinking about things. We are to meet together to have our minds renewed, to be reset to God's way of thinking, which, by the way, is always about grace. It's always about loving other people. Just look at what follows this statement about having our minds renewed. The next statement is, don't think of yourself more highly than you ought to think. We are all one body, and there's a diversity of gifts. In other words, nobody is above the other in Christ's body. If you want to start seeing how God sees things, you see it through the lens of everybody's an equal. That nobody's above the other. And our world does not operate that way at all, does it? We definitely have ranking systems in our world. People who make more money, people who make less money uh, in Canada, people who are Aboriginal and people who are not. We have that rank in our head. And God's way of thinking says absolutely not to that. In the body of Christ, don't think of yourself more highly than you ought to think because we're all the same. Nobody is above the other. Do not be conformed to this world that says there's a ranking among people. Our world, in fact, teaches you that, uh, that you are probably the top of that ranking. There's you and maybe your family and people you like and care about, and then there's everybody else. Do not be conformed to that. You are not at the center. Our world teaches you to put yourself at the center of your own world. And God asks you to place him at the center and to trust him to renew your thinking, to have it conform to his will, which will always be focused on loving other people. So this is why we must not neglect meeting together because we need to provoke each other to love and good deeds. We need to encourage each other because otherwise we forget Right? This is really the same thing. We need our thinking renewed because for most of our week, we are bombarded with ways of thinking that go against God being at the center of things. We are bombarded with ways of thinking that encourage us to put ourselves in the center of our lives. And it's true, isn't it? Most of our week, probably starting you know, sometime this afternoon, we will drift back to ourselves being the center of our lives. Our lives are very much about ourselves. And they're a little bit about God and others. We get a bit on Sunday. And we might help out a few people maybe if we know them a little bit. But that's not what God is hoping for us. God is asking us to have him at the center having ourselves at the center and then a little bit of God and a little bit of others, that is not the posture Christ is about. And so when we're together, we need to encourage each other to get our lives on track with God at the center. This is part of why we really need Christian community because it's so easy to slip into this other way of thinking. Now, the church is not going to be the central community for everyone who is a part of the church. Might be a controversial thing for a pastor to say. But lots of you, this isn't going to be your main community. 
You might have written your main community down on one of those pieces of paper. But the congregation at its best is the spiritual center that we need in order to be the light of Christ in those other communities that might, in fact, be uh, where we spend more of our time. And for some of you, you've taken on things in your lives that are really quite wonderful and remarkable. And I hope and I pray that the church will support you in those endeavors. So, you know, we got to see one of those that was more of a a short-term thing, but Emily here took a mission trip this summer. And we didn't all go on the mission trip. She went. And we supported her in that. We supported her in that. Uh, Jade, who's not here today, but is usually sitting with the other. Oh, she's downstairs teaching. The tallest of the tall, blonde uh, young women. Um, Many of you won't know, she got a job this summer working at Winnipeg Inner City Missions. And she is involved in the ministry there now. On a regular basis, every week. We need to support her in that. Isn't that great? That's just wonderful. Uh, Aaron, who's over here, is on the National Committee for Presbyterian World Service and Development. Fantastic. We need to support Aaron in that. Uh, Terry Bruno, who's our treasurer here at the church, is also the chair of the board right now at Winnipeg Inner City Mission. We need to support him in that. Irvin Hildebrand volunteers at Palliative Care. Fantastic. We need to support him in that. Cleober and Chris volunteer at International Student Ministries. We need to support them in that. How many of you know uh, Vi Bartlett, who sits at the back? Um, but she does quilting every week, probably four to six hours a week. And the quilts that many of the quilts she works on um, I go with a, an organization, Victoria Quilts, right? Victoria Quilts. And that organization uh, organizes so that the, the quilts that get made within that organization go to people who are struggling with cancer. And that's a ministry. Vi herself says, this is my ministry. This is what I do. We need to support Vi in that and hold that up. We don't have time to continue going, you know? But there are other people who are doing things in their lives. There are others. I pray that you are renewed here when you come here on Sunday mornings to continue serving. And I really pray that for all of you. that you can live out your your Christ-centeredness in your lives, in your families, with your friends, with your coworkers, as a coach at the community center, on the parent-teacher council, or as a teacher. We're supposed to do it everywhere, and we need each other to continue to do it. Now, it's a funny thing sometimes. We will sometimes look around and think, well, I don't see these people in the church at committees, or I don't see these people, I see them on Sunday, maybe a couple of times a month, and, uh, but I don't really see them, uh, you know, at Bible study, or at this event, or that event. And if we start to see the church through that lens, 
I will encourage you to think about that person, pray for that person, and then go and have a conversation with that person and get to know them. Because you may be really surprised. Many people in our church are in Christian relationships in their lives where where they've got a friend or a couple of friends or a smaller group that isn't even connected to this church. But they're supporting one another in faith. They're not coming to our Bible study, but they're, they're doing it already. Many people in our church are serving in some other way outside of this congregation. I've just given you a few examples. And we have the privilege and honor of supporting them in the ministry they're doing. Um, one of my favorite books, and we'll wrap up real quick here in a minute. One of my favorite books is this book. I think it was written in the late 1950s. Um, it's by Joseph McClelland, who was a Presbyterian minister. It's called The Other Six Days. And the premise of the book is that we have lots of uh, church books that are for pastors to read that focus on Sundays. Um, and so he wrote a book for the other six days um, and said that really the church ought to be about um, the people who are in the church who are living out their lives um, and was pretty forceful about that in his book. And I just wanted to read uh, just a really small section. Um, he's actually complaining about, uh, I don't agree with everything in here, but he's actually complaining about lay people being involved in worship. <laughs> and... Uh, Late 1950s, by the way. Um, But he has a bit of a point. He says, you know, why would we want to give more churchy things for lay people to do? Um, And so he says, to go one step further, we do not need, we do not help laymen, because it's late 1950s, so they didn't, there's not inclusive language here. Um, We do not help laymen in their proper ministry by giving them more church work to do. Indeed, the local or national church organization may become the greatest threat to the ministry of the laity. We might serve our laymen better if we advised them to give up some of their church work in order to concentrate on problems in their community, political, or economic life. I just think that's brilliant. Um, So he's saying, really, if you go and read more of the book, Um, But he's saying that the church is really there to give a spiritual root for people out in the world. So stop asking people to be on three committees um, and show up to seven Bible studies. One Bible study is good, great. We do need some people on committees. But the primary ministry that we're doing is, in fact, the ministry in your lives. That's what the church is about, is how do we support you to do the ministry in your lives? Really fascinating book, ahead of its time, I think. We all have a different role to play in the church. Some people are going to be those committee people and are going to guide some of the things that happen at the congregation. Some people are going to provide some leadership. But we all have a different role. And quite often that role is outside of these walls. And so we need to support one another in that. Here's the text from Romans again, verses 3 to 5. For by grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, to not think of yourself more highly than you ought to think, but think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and not all members have the same function, so we who are many members are one body, 
in Christ. Here, in this place, we are transformed, and then we encourage and provoke one another to be out there transforming the communities of which we are a part, remembering that it all takes place through love and good deeds, as Jesus has shown us in his love for us. Thanks be to God. Amen.